0: You're listening to the Marketing Analytics Show brought to you by Supermetrics. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Analytics Show, the podcast that helps you get better at marketing analytics. This podcast is brought to you by Supermetrics. Over half a million marketers use Supermetrics to move data from popular marketing platforms such as Facebook, Google Analytics, and HubSpot to their favorite analytics reporting and data warehouse tools, including Google Sheets, Excel, Google Data Studio, Google BigQuery, and more. Give Supermetrics a spin and start your 14-day free trial at supermetrics.com. I'm your host, Anna Shitko, and today our guest star is Pep Laya, CEO at CXL Institute and Wintra.com. In this episode, you'll learn how Pep used early users' feedback to narrow down the positioning for Winter, how you can analyze your qualitative data, and what questions can marketers ask to get useful insights from their customers, especially when the company is still at an early stage. Hello, Pep, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. I'm super, super excited about this one. I heard great things about Winter and I am super excited to hear everything and learn from you. So first of all, could you please tell us what is Winter and how did you actually coin the positioning and messaging for it? When I first encountered and when I first read about the company, I thought that the business model was pretty genius. So I'm sure our audience would love to learn more about this.
1: Yeah. Well, Winter is in the business of delivering audiences. So if you sell to, let's say, SaaS CMOs, we can deliver you SaaS CMOs. Then you can ask them questions. Our, Our main use case is messaging testing. So testing your messaging and whether it resonates with the people you're trying to sell to, to market to, or not and then how you can improve it Um, and our key audience is b2b not b2c and in b2b delivering audiences uh based on title uh company uh, size industry is an unsolved problem and uh, we can do it relatively cheaply and very fast
0: great awesome and could you please expand a bit more about the audience uh like on the audience's piece because i heard you are delivering both uh, you know insights about b2b and the b2c segments
1: yeah so essentially the the way we defi- define audience is just a, a sample a group of people that represent types of people so we have a database our own database uh, that we call a panel uh, of various business professionals in various industries you know so, so starting from like startup founders to SEO people, content marketers, CFOs, e-commerce uh, directors, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So basically every title you can imagine we have people with, with specific titles in our uh, in our database. We also have a uh, consumer panel as you refer to uh, to it. Uh, the consumer panel is like you can target people by their habits like are you working out? Do you want to lose weight? Do you own a dog? Do you have a house? things like that. So like psychographics and like goals and interests. But our key focus is delivering B2B audiences. And uh, our own messaging, like we launched the business as copy testing. So it was a different, different name altogether. And when we launched the business, I had multiple uh, business assumptions. So one assumption was that we are actually in the business of Helping businesses write better copy, hence the name copy testing. And we, you know, we would tell you what's uh, put your copy, website copy, in front of uh, people, and they they would tell you what is clear, unclear, uh, what do they get or not get, where's the friction. And we assume that the copywriters are going to be all over it, and it's going to be really great for consumer companies, especially e-commerce. And we also assume that by calling the company copy testing. It's gonna be like the de facto tool for this category, kind of like like Kleenex um, or UserTesting.com. And when we launched, it turned out that we were wrong about all four assumptions. So, as with any SaaS product, you don't want to wait too long to launch it. You want to launch it to to uh, you know soon enough so you can shorten your or speed up the feedback loops. So I was nervous at, at the launch cuz I thought like hey, maybe you know maybe it's not all perfect and we should you know build some more but the idea of like, getting more <clears throat> user feedback uh, would that it, it would help us you know grow faster and I'm I'm very glad that we launched when we did because we learned that we are not in the business of writing better copy we are actually in the business of delivering audiences Because whenever somebody wants to do copy testing or messaging testing or anything related to their messaging and positioning, they only want to hear from a very specific audience. So if I'm like an SEO tool, I want to hear from people who do SEO. If I am an expensive uh, email marketing tool for e-commerce businesses, I want to hear from the directors of e-commerce or VP marketing that e-commerce companies so everybody wants to hear from a very specific audience so we learned that we are actually in the business of delivering audiences and another thing that we learned that we we were the companies that naturally gravitated towards us actually b2b companies not b2c in fact we learned that in b2c let's say in e-commerce the product marketers there weren't really into it because they like in e-commerce when when on a company launches a product page, which has, you know, quite a bit of, usually, once once the page is launched, they're they're not actually thinking about the copy on the page anymore at all. It's not like a perceived problem. Whereas in B2B companies, B2B companies where, you know, the annual contract value of a single client and the lifetime value is very, very high, typically, then they really care about the messaging resonating with the people. And so it's actually... Not copywriters who are like drawn to it, but more like SaaS marketing people and agencies, marketing agencies. And finally, our name, Copy Testing, is like a descriptive, literal brand name. So, uh, and that's a weak brand name because in the long run, even SaaS, you cannot compete on features, right? Every feature you have, they can and will copy. And by they, I mean your competition. So, over time, as the as a, as a as the category that you're in matures, everybody will have the same features. So think about email marketing. Which email marketing has features that other companies don't? Like, they all have the same exact features. You know, like it's so. In the end, you compete on brand. Your brand is your long-term moat and competitive advantage. And so, if you have a weak brand name, like a literal brand name, that's that's an unnecessary handicap. So, if, for instance, Super Supermetrics, if you guys were uh data dashboards.com. You know, they would be a silly name, uh a terrible name. So when people talk about your company name, you want to have a unique name, not uh, a, a name that just is the is the is the actual name of the thing. Otherwise you don't get any brand share. And so when we learned about all these things, we decided that hey, we need a new name. Oh, another thing we learned was that the people that we're actually trying to sell to, like the B2B SaaS people, they don't care about copy. Like the marketing leadership does not care about copy. People with budgets don't care about copy because copy is usually considered as something you delegate to a junior member of the staff. Oh, we have you know this new marketing guy who studied, let him write the copy, or we have that intern, let him write a copy, or let's hire you know a outside freelance copywriter to write a copy. Whereas what does the marketing leadership think that is important? It's positioning and it's messaging. Uh, and of course, messaging is just a level up from copy. Um, so it's very, very related. So we we realized that we need to change our positioning. Well, where do we fit in? So it's not about copy. It's about messaging. And we also, for the name, we needed a name that uh, doesn't mean anything, basically. I was going for a name that means nothing at all. Because then you make the meaning. So winter is short and easy to say, and you know, you can have some fun with it. Like our winter, like winter is coming with our launch campaign. And um and then there's quite a bit of name research out there as well that we relied on. Uh, you know, like research shows that the more simple and human sounding the name, the greater the company's success. Uh, brands with short, easy to pronounce names are you would more positively by investors, and uh, even like uh, book-to-market ratios are better for, for companies with simpler names.
0: Yeah, that sounds very, very interesting. Thanks for sharing all the insights, and I do definitely agree with you. Uh, I think shortening the feedback loops is definitely a good idea. So you can get the actual information from people who would be, you know, paying you the dollars to use your product. So um, to touch more on that. Could you please tell us how, how did you analyze the data to coin the new positioning and messaging for Winter when you decided to change the company's direction? And then uh, maybe you could tell us uh, what quantitative or qualitative data you analyzed, how you analyzed it, and what was, you know, like happening. When you gathered mm-hmm. all this data after different feedback loops, maybe any kind of reports you created or something like that
1: hmm uh no reports because I don't report to anybody it's it's like i'm i'm the I'm the founder, so I need data and because I think reporting is when you need to report to other people, and we are so small I mean our team is you know less than ten people right now, and back when we launched uh, there was two of us, you know so so it was very, you know, small team, so didn't spend uh, even a minute building any t- type of charts and reports, not, not a single one. Uh, all the data we gathered was qualitative because I was basically doing all the demos and I was pitching people with sales, sales calls all the time. So I have a, I have a pretty significant, uh, you know, social media following, uh, my other company, CXL, has been around for 10 years. So we advertised basically in the CXL newsletter where I got my first leads from and first paying customers from. And so getting on sales calls, demos with people, uh, people who, who paid for the test, getting on uh, calls to interview them. So it was a lot of just qualitative um, qualitative data gathering, also live chat. were Big on live chat from day one, and I was running most of the live chat. And you start to see trends and patterns. Because like with qualitative research, the only thing is like what are the themes and patterns, what are the issues that keep coming up again and again and again? And then you start getting the insight starts to pile on, and it becomes like a like an understanding. So if I hear all over again. Let's say that in, in direct-to-consumer e-commerce, the product marketers are telling me, "Yeah, I don't I don't really think about that um, copy on my product pages. It's not a problem for me." And if you hear that twenty times, it's like, "Yeah, I think I I get it. They they don't care about it." And in the in the beginning, we only had consumer audiences. We didn't. We weren't able to deliver B two B panels. But the companies that I, we kept getting questions the companies that naturally came to us like, "Hey, I want to you know." Try try your services, but like I only care about the feedback of like marketing managers. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. B2B companies, we don't have that panel, but like it kept coming and was like, that's a signal. And then we tested that assumption by building basically a no code version of the B2B audiences. We recruited some people to be our B2B panelists uh, through CXL's uh, newsletter. And we just set up a simple Typeform survey actually uh, and uh, Typeform has a built-in credit card uh, field as well so we said okay we're beta testing this new service and offering B2B panels for, for messaging testing and same thing like people like who, who were buying our like beta, ba- beta services were all B2B SaaS companies and marketing agencies that that was a signal okay so they actually wanting it and we were doing a lot of the work behind the scenes manually, um, and it's like, oh yeah, now we need to scale, and to scale we need actual developers to build actual software. Um, so, so basically, first and foremost, qualitative qualitative research. In terms of quantum, I mean, small early stage startups, you, you don't really have a lot of data. I mean, yes, we have signups and and so on, but you know, while looking, we're we're really trying to figure out like who is the Ideal customer for us. We had multiple hypotheses, and when we're looking at signups come in, most people didn't, didn't do anything. You know, we were product hunt product of the day when we launched. We like won the daily daily race for the um who, who's the product of the day, and then we got like ten thousand signups or some, something like that. And most of them did nothing at all, not, not a single cent. It's uh, product hunt traffic is uh, for B two B is pretty useless uh, in my opinion. Uh, but we, we got a good PR, so that it, it was useful in that sense. But all these people, so we're like, who's buying? Who's buying? Like you're looking for signals again. So if I were do if we're you know doing quant reports on like signups and then you know, just sample sizes in like the smaller segments were not big enough to make meaningful meaningful data. Uh, and really trying to understand the why behind all the things in the early stages. And since we implemented this changes. We changed the name, changed our positioning, changed our messaging. Uh, Our growth has accelerated, month-over-month growth has accelerated significantly. So uh, 100%, I can say that it it paid off. It's working.
0: Yeah, this is super interesting to hear. And actually, I think that's the first time when I hear that you've been relying on qualitative data that much, and I definitely am in full support of this. I think that marketers should take both into consideration and really judge, you know, case by case, depending on what they're trying to achieve. And uh, can you please tell us about the further steps? So now that you're planning to, you know, take winter to new level. And maybe, you know, add some more services or products. What kind of questions will you ask your audience to get more of this qualitative data? And then how are you going to go about it? And maybe you could tell us again, how are you planning to analyze this data? Are you going to, you know, keep the same questions as like you had in the beginning or tweak them slightly now that the company is already established and you already have, you know, a working messaging, a working concept?
1: So the reason I mainly operated off of qualitative data is that because you, if you're just getting going, you don't have enough quant data to, to be meaningful. So that that's the key reason. And qualitative data, you don't need large sample sizes to to have uh, to get insight. Whereas with quant data, you need quite a bit of data. Um, today, I mean, our future roadmap now is that we are uh, expanding beyond just messaging testing. To also audience research. So let's say that, you know, you guys at Supermetrics, you are, I don't actually know which styles you're selling to, but let's say that you are selling to uh, VP marketings of SaaS companies. I'm Just making this up. So, and then you might be wondering, well, when we write copy and mes- craft messaging for Supermetrics website and then the other marketing materials, we should, you know, like really focus on the pains we're solving. But look, what are the perceived pains? Like, what 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 is actually the pain this as a SaaS CMO is is thinking about when it comes to working with data? And then that's that's where audience research comes out. So obviously, you can do a lot of interviews and try to reach out to people, and that's all really great, uh, but very time consuming. Uh, can be very expensive. Uh, so with Winter, you know, the idea is that since we have the audiences already. You can target the audience you want to reach, and you can survey them. So when you put together a survey, and so, okay, when, you, when it comes to data, you know here like ten issues we solve, please rank them in the order of priority, and then uh, you know etc. 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 So all, all these different things that you might want to ask this audience, and then you get the data back, and now you can inform your messaging, and then you can test how that messaging lands. So that's kind of the direction where we're where we're going. And also we're expanding to testing cold email uh, messaging. So B2B SaaS companies often you know, use outbound sales as their key channel uh, for growth. And the problem is that outbound sales is extremely ineffective. You know, you, like you send thousand emails, get maybe 10 demos if you're lucky, if you're really great. And no, most, most of you get ignored. And so you don't even know what about your cold email is not landing. What about it is crap? Uh, and so again, we can tell you because by if you're cold pitching, you know SaaS CMOs, we can have them tell you what do they think of your your cold email and uh, what what would actually get their attention. So that's kind of the the our our uh, future path. The way we are thinking about product, our product roadmap is again mostly driven by qualitative. So. Yeah, I'm doing sales demos. I'm doing like 15, 20 demos a week myself, plus I'm on live chat often. And so when I hear, Oh, yeah, I would totally use it if only we you would also have this and this, you need this panel. And uh and sometimes I'm like, Okay, well we'll we'll do a no code version again. We're like so there's a you know, I can invoice you right now for this service or this use case. Uh, and we determine whether they pay, whether there's a will to pay for this. And if yes, then we manually behind the scenes do we do things that don't scale and we can deliver the service, uh, learn from it. And then now we now we know how when we want to actually productize it and put it inside a product, uh, you know, we're much more confident that there there's demand for it because we already have had people pay for it and stuff. Uh once, you know, you ask about what data I want to use in the in the future. Obviously, I want to use a lot of quant data as well. We use Heap for product analytics, and so any, any click and any you know scroll inside a product we can measure and we can see which behavior leads to more, let's say, tests set up and so on. Um, right now, the, as it is, is that the company has been ar- around eight months, so very early stage very early stage and the amount of data we just have is it's uh, not very useful right now I mean it's useful but it's it's more like directionally accurate rather than uh, precise
0: thank you so much for sharing all the useful insights Fab. and if the audience wants to learn more about you where can they do it
1: I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn so you can just follow me there and uh, you know, send me a message
0: all right thank you so much for coming on the show Thank you, Anna. And that's the end of today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. If you'd like to kickstart your marketing analytics, check out the 14-day free trial at supermetrics.com. See you in the next episode of the Marketing Analytics Show.